Um, well, hey, this is um, the last uh, Sunday that we're going to roll two services, uh, and next week we kind of shift into summer mode, okay? Uh, so uh, ne- starting next week, uh, we're going to have one service at 10 a.m., okay? 10 a.m., uh, I think we'll all fit in here. It'll be a little packed. There'll be some energy. Uh, we understand that people are kind of in and out over the summer, um, but, but again, I want to remind us that uh, we really want to continue to walk through the summer with church unity, and we don't want a church split next week over what seat you're sitting in, okay? All right, because I know that some of you, you have your seat, right? I mean, you have your seat, but the second hour, somebody also has their seat, which is your seat, Okay, and so we're just going to see, you know, it'll be a great test for us as a church. Okay, Um, now, you know, churches have split over, you know, much less. And so next Sunday is a critical Sunday. And so if you want to make sure that you have your same seat next week, you can do one or two things. Okay, you can get here early. Okay. Um, or just leave a saved uh, note on your seat, okay? But reserved, okay? And just leave that there, and maybe it'll still be there next week if the cleaning crew doesn't come through here. So one or two options, early or leave a reserve sign. And, and again, next week, we're unity, we're, we're oneness, okay? We're all brothers and sisters in the name, you know, in the name of Jesus. And so we're going to test that next week, okay? So uh, next week, starting 10 o'clock, we'll roll through that through until we get to August, and uh, we'll enjoy kind of a laid-back schedule. Also next week, uh, we're doing a family service. Um, and so we'll have uh, child care, or not child care. Ooh, man, I'm so glad Rachel did not hear me say that. Um, Woo, man, um, I'd be walking with a limp. Uh, we, we will have, uh, we'll have the classes, the Bible classes for the kiddos, for the little ones, uh, but uh, for and up, uh, we, we want them in the service. We want them watching you worship, and uh, we'll, have, we'll have a little follow, uh, a sheet of paper for them to kind of draw and take notes on, and, and maybe some of you with ADD like me, you'll also want one of those notes to color on and take notes on. So, uh, so anyway, that's next week, so lots of, lots of exciting things happening this summer. So uh, we are looking at the life of Jesus and the life that he calls us to through the gospel of John. And, and we've said this, and I hope, I, I hope you kind of see it in your mind now, um, but uh, that this word uh, disciple, it means student, it's methetes in the Greek, and there's this word picture that goes along with it that everybody in the audience, when they read this, they would be like, oh, that's methetes, that's what he means. And they would immediately think of a student following so close to their uh, to their teacher that they're literally covered in the dust or the sand of their sandals, okay? It's kind of like when you've got your three-year-old at the beach following you right behind you as you're carrying everything to the beach and that three-year-old's right on your heels and you turn around and they're just spitting sand out of their mouth because your flip-flops have been kicking sand up in their mouth, you know, the whole time. And so that's the word picture. That's how fog, how closely we're called to follow Jesus. And today, Jesus has a lot to say about how you and I, as his students, are to obtain freedom in our lives, true freedom in our lives. 
Because in the world's economy, true freedom is associated with independence, right? But in God's economy, true freedom is associated with dependence. In God's economy, true freedom is, is, is happens when, uh, in the world's economy, true freedom happens when we obtain the ability to uh, uh, self-rule. When we achieve self-rule in our lives and we can do whatever we want to do. Um, but in God's economy, uh, true freedom is achieved when we surrender the right to self-rule. And here in John chapter 8, where we're going to be today, Jesus says that without truth, there is no freedom because the truth sets us free. That freedom cannot exist apart from truth. And in today's passage, Jesus says, he says, the only way for you and I to find true freedom is for you and I to surrender. For you and I to submit to, to him and to his teachings. Now, I know at first glance, that sounds boring. You know, that sounds dull. That sounds repressive. That sounds restrictive. But the freedom that Jesus Christ offers us is anything but that. Because what we're going to see today is that when we surrender, when we embrace the freedom that, that Christ brings to our lives, it creates a person who is free from what everybody else thinks or says about us, including what we say and think about ourselves. And so this morning, as we talk about Christian freedom, this passage shows us the who, the why, and the how, okay? The who, the why, and the how. Let's just say those three words together. The who, the why, and the how. So who it comes from, um, why, why Christian, you know, who Christian freedom comes from, why Christian freedom comes from him and how Christian freedom can come to us. So if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn to John chapter 8 this morning. John chapter 8. And uh, if you didn't bring your Bibles, we're going to put it up on the screen for you. But John chapter 8 this morning, as we talk about the Christian freedom uh, that Jesus brings, the true freedom, the real freedom that Jesus brings to our lives. So let's just read uh, verses 31 through 36. Let me read these as we kind of set up the stage here. So Jesus, uh, to the Jews who had believed in him, so the Jewish people who had believed that Jesus was the Messiah, the Christ, the promised one, the Savior, uh, Jesus says to them, if you hold to my teaching, uh, you are really, you are truly my disciples, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, well, we are Abraham's descendants and, and have never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? And of course, they're, they're referring back to in their Jewish history. Um, it all started with Abraham. You, you remember the song, Father Abraham had many sons, right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot. Okay. It all starts with him. And, uh, and then, you know, they're talking about their history where they were slaves to, to Egypt for over 400 years. And then through this incredible, miraculous exodus, um, you know, they're, they're led to freedom. And then they wander around the desert for, uh, for 40 years. And then they go into the promised land. So they're like, we, we, weren't, we weren't never slaves. So how can you say that we've been set free? And Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So who, who does Christian freedom come from? Well, 
Jesus is, is up against uh, a couple of myths about freedom. And, and freedom myth number one is this, is that true freedom is having no master. That true freedom, this is a myth um, that, that people believe that true freedom comes from, uh, from having no master, okay? That, uh, that in, in other words, there's nobody to tell us uh, what, to, what to do. So with, what Jesus is saying here is that anyone who sins uh, is, is a slave to sin. And, and so whatever it is that we live for, and, and we all live for something, Whatever it is that we give ourselves to, whatever, you know, brings us value, whatever it is that gives us our identity, whatever that is, we're a slave to that. Whatever that is, we're, you know, that becomes our master and everyone lives for something. Uh, maybe, maybe it's a, a career or a title or a position or power. Um, uh, maybe, um, you know, maybe it's a GPA, maybe it's a 401k, maybe it's, maybe it's wealth, maybe it's health, maybe it's relationships, maybe it's love, maybe it's sex, maybe, uh, you know, maybe it's, uh, you know, beauty, but, but whatever it is, we all live for something. And Jesus says, if we live for anything, but him, it's the wrong master. And it will not give freedom to our lives, but that true freedom comes from having the right master and his name is Jesus. That's where true freedom comes from. So why, why does it come from him? Why does, why does true freedom come from Jesus? Well, look at verses 34 and 35. It says, Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So, so Jesus is saying that some people in this world, um, they, they have high anxiety. They walk around anxious and worried and, 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 and fearful because they don't know the place that they have in Christ. They're walking around as a servant who works in the house. Now, a servant doesn't have uh, any freedom right? A servant doesn't have any rights. A servant doesn't have uh, any long-term security. A servant doesn't have any authority. A servant doesn't have a permanent position, but a son has all of that. And that's what Jesus is trying to communicate here. A son has all of that, that when we put our faith in Jesus, we become adopted children of God. We become an adopted son or an adopted daughter of God. And we have all the freedom that goes along with that. We have all the rights that go along with that. We have all the privileges that go along with the family name. That when we become adopted children of God, we have all the freedom, all the long-term security, all the authority that goes along with this permanent position that we did not obtain for ourselves, but was given to us through faith in Jesus and freedom comes through Christ. Now, this is, this is important key here because this is what gives us freedom from our past and this is what gives us freedom in our present this is how we can deal with our past and this is how we can deal with our present and it's knowing the freedom that we have as adopted children of the king and and here's how we deal with our past we we have to know the gospel and when we talk about the gospel, what we're talking about is, is, is that Jesus is the son of God and he came and he lived the life that we can't live. 
And he died the death that you and I deserve to die. And in John chapter 1, John writes that yet to all who did receive him, that's Jesus, okay, receive him into their lives, um, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, that's the name of Jesus, have the right to become children of God. And the gospel says that we are no longer someone who just works in the house, but we've been adopted and God loves us and accepts us totally and completely. You see, when we put our faith in Jesus, we become a beloved child of God. And I, I, we talked about beloved before. We don't get a whole lot of beloved. We get it at weddings and we get it at funerals. Dearly beloved, we're gathered here together to join this man and this woman. But beloved, it means to be completely, wholly, freely, deeply, unconditionally loved by God. To be a beloved child of God means that there's nothing that we can do to cause God to love us any less. And there's nothing that we can do to cause God to love us anymore. We are his beloved children. And so this is what helps us deal with our past because we know that Jesus Christ, he died on the cross and paid our sin debt in full. He fulfilled Every requirement of the holy word of God, the holy law of God. And Jesus died and he paid our sin debt in full, which means all the guilt associated with our past, all the shame associated with our past, all the condemnation associated with our past went to Jesus on the cross. Therefore, we are, we are declared forgiven and we are clean, white as snow, as we just sang. And so what that means is when the, the voice of the enemy keeps kind of whispering in our ear and reminding us about our past, we need to uh, confront him with the gospel and tell him to shut up. Let's just say that together. Shut I mean, that was the sweetest shut up I've ever heard. I mean, not much authority, but a lot of honey dripping off of that. I mean, we, it, was, it just sounded so loving. But we've got to learn to confront the enemy with the gospel and who we are in Christ and tell the enemy to shut up. Because what's going to happen is we're going to come into church and the, the enemy is like, oh, look who's here. Look who's here. Look who decided that they're going to come back to God. Hey, guess what? You don't deserve to be here. You're in the wrong place. And you know it. And everybody else knows it. In fact, they know that not only are you in the wrong place, they know what you did. They know what you did 10 years ago. They know what you did 10 months ago, 10 weeks ago. Heck, let's talk about what you did 10 hours ago. And if you forgot, I'll just remind you on a full IMAX screen, surround sound. I'll just let you see. So don't think you're coming back in here thinking that you could get back with God because you got penance to pay, pal. You got things to do. You got to start doing some things and stop doing some things. So don't think you're going to come in. Get, just sit down. Quit raising your hands. God doesn't want any of that. We need to learn to look at the enemy and tell him what? Shut up. 
Because my sin debt has been paid in full. And because of everything that Jesus has done for me, not because of what I've done for myself, but because what Jesus has done for me, I am blessed, I'm called, I'm healed, I'm whole, I'm saved by the name of Jesus. I'm saved through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. And because of that, I'm favored, I'm anointed, and I am filled with his Holy Spirit. So devil, you can accuse me all you want, you can yell at me all you want, you can jeer me all you want, but you have been defeated by the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So shut up. So on three, your biggest shut up you can. One, two, three. Shut up. There you go. That's what it sounds like. And then you add, in the name of Jesus. Now that's important because we don't have authority because we didn't do anything. But we have all the authority in the name of Jesus because he did everything. And so, maybe one day this summer you're rolling in here and the enemy's whispering in your ear. You know, I'm trying to preach and somebody says, shut up! We're just going to assume that you're not talking to me. And we're going to assume some spiritual warfare is happening and you're telling the enemy where he can go in the name of Jesus. We have to confront the enemy when he tries to bring our past up because that's been dealt with once and for all. We are secure in his love as his beloved children. This also helps us with our present Because freedom myth number two is that true freedom is being able to do whatever we want to do. Uh, People think, oh, you know, I can can do whatever I want to do. That's true freedom. But Jesus says that true freedom is doing what we were meant to do. That true freedom is doing what we were meant to do. See, in our rebellion against God, we have all kind of conflicting desires going on in our hearts. Right? I mean, let's just talk about worldly desires. I mean, we all want a healthy heart, but we all love butter. That's conflicting. Okay? We all want more more money. All right? Right? How many want more money in your bank account? All of us, right? Yeah, but Amazon can have it here by 10 o'clock. I mean, we, we, we want to be people of integrity. But if I just tell half the truth, mom and dad won't find out. And I won't get grounded. Or if I just tell half the truth, I'll close this deal and get way more commission. See, our, 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 our desires are in conflict with one another. I mean, we want one thing on Monday, but by Tuesday, we want something completely different. It's like our desires of our hearts are playing chicken with one another. We don't want what we want. And, 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 and you know, if you don't believe, just go to junior high camp with us, all right? Because those kids will fall in and out of love five or seven times, and that's before we even get to Colorado. <laughs> I mean, they bet the one on Monday, but by Wednesday, oh, I met another one. Who's the one? See, our, our hearts don't know what we want. But then, you know, we, we've all been told. Have you ever been told, you know, you're trying to make a decision and you talk to mom or dad or you talk to grandma or, you know, you talk to a trusted friend and they say, well, you just got to follow your heart. 
Anybody ever been told that? Terrible advice. Don't go to grandma anymore. We can't trust our hearts because our hearts don't know what the heart wants. And Jesus says that if we want true freedom, we have to submit to his truth. We have to submit our lives to the blueprints of his his plans for our lives. And, And blueprints are important because blueprints tell us what we can and cannot do, right? Now, I know we're all experts on, you know, demo and reno because we, you know, we watch Chip and Joe on HGTV, okay? And we just want to, we want to open things up. We just want to open things up. Just blow out every interior wall. I want to be able to see from the front door to the back door. Just open everything up. We're experts in that. I mean, we've seen Chip run through the sheetrock. But blueprints tell us, oh, I can't do that. This is a load-bearing wall. We take out this wall, the roof's going to come down, the ceiling's going to fall down. I don't care, I just want to be able to, open, I just want to open things up, open things up. So we got a choice to make. We can either now put a, some, a support beam through there that bears the load of the roof. Well, how much does that going to cost? Well, it means you're going to have to make a sacrifice on something else that you want if you want this. Or we can just, just patch it all up, we'll worry about it later. But if we worry about it later, you're watching HGTV and your roof's going to come down on you. And it's going to cost a lot more then to fix than now. The same is true in our souls. The shortcut may feel better. It may look better. The lie may get us more or get us less. But we will pay more down the road. And submitting our lives to Jesus in his teaching brings true freedom now. So how do we get this freedom in our lives? We get this freedom when we become a child of the king. When we place our faith in Jesus Christ. When we get this freedom when we... When we listen and obey our Heavenly Father, we will find true freedom. And true freedom is not doing what we want to do. True freedom is doing what we were created to do. What we were meant to do. And it starts with listening and trusting and obeying and worshiping Jesus with our entire lives. Verse 31 and 32 says, If you hold my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And three applications for for our hearts this morning as we get ready to respond with a song. Application number one. Is it hold to the truth? Hold to the truth. See, obedience is a master of is a matter of discipline. You know, all the great musicians and great athletes and great great scholars, they they didn't become great overnight. They 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 became great through practice and practice and practice and practice through discipline. And we need to hold on to 
the truth of Jesus. And we may not see its benefits now. We may not feel its benefits now. But eventually, we will discover the greatness of the freedom, the vastness of the freedom that Jesus brings into our lives because freedom is a byproduct of discipline. That's true. That's application number one. Hold to the truth. Application number two is holding reveals the heart. Holding reveals the heart. Obedience does not make us a Christian, okay? Nobody needs to leave here thinking, well, you know, obedience makes me a Christian. No, that's that's religion. We're talking about a personal connection with the creator of the universe through, through, with our heavenly father through faith in his son, Jesus Christ, and what he did for us in his life and death and resurrection. Obedience does not make us a Christian. Obedience reveals if we really are or not. Obedience reveals the fruits of the tree. How do we know if it's an apple tree? Well, there's apples. How do we know if it's an orange tree? There's oranges. Obedience reveals our hearts and who they belong to and who they serve. And freedom comes when we walk in obedience. And application number three, the truth will set us free. Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2, the psalmist writes this, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners or take, take or sit in the company of mockers. In other words, he, the psalmist is talking about what we believe, what we think, and how we act. What do we believe? What do we think? And how do we act? But whose delight, that word delight means happiness. It means joy. It means contentment, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. In other words, we delight in God's word. It makes us happy. It makes us joyful. It makes us content. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord, but who meditates on his law day and night. In other words, it's just not something we do in the mornings to check off the box, but it's something that stays with us all day long. You know, the mark of a true disciple, let's not even use the word true. The mark of a free, a free disciple is that he or she loves for God to tell them what to do. None of us like to be told what to do, right? I mean, I hate it when Sarah tells me to take out the trash. Nobody likes to be told what to do. But the mark of a free disciple who's enjoying the vastness, the depth of the freedom Jesus brings us loves it when God's word tells them what to do. Do we love for God's word to examine our lives? You say, well, Mark, what does that look like? Well, what it looks like is consistently being in the Word and taking a few verses. Well, how many? Is it a whole chapter? I don't know. Maybe it's a chapter for you. Maybe it's, maybe it's these two verses. And you kind of read this in the morning. You kind of think about it. Carve out a little time. Okay, is, is there, 
what do I really believe? And what do I really think? And how do I really behave? And are they, are they, do they contradict? Are they against what God's truth says and God's word says? And let me think about this. Let me process this. I'm thinking about it. I'm on my way to work and I'm thinking about it. Maybe, maybe, you know, during lunch, I'm thinking about it a little bit more. And then, you know, on the, on the drive home, I'm calling a friend. And I said, hey, I read this verse this morning. I'm really thinking, do you, you know me pretty well. Is there anything in my life that is like, that, um, that is going against God's word? I mean, do you see me delighting in God's word? Do you see me delighting in God telling me what to do? Just getting home and thinking about it. You just can't. Laying down at night and say, God, man, I, I, I know that this really isn't 100% true in my life today, but God, tomorrow, could it be just a little bit more true? I want to delight. I want to be free. And the only way for you and I to be free is to embrace who Jesus is in his life for us. And the band's going to come. And I just want to read these last two verses to us one more time. Jesus says to us, he says, if you hold to my teaching, hold to it. You are really my disciples. Covered in sand. Then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free.